Would you like some milk with that? Nah, no. Okay. Hi guys, and welcome back to episode 18 of... Controllers and Couches! Controllers and Couches. Um, in case you're wondering um, if there was indeed a change in audio quality... A large jump. Large change. <laughs> large jump. Uh, we picked ourselves up a new mic. So uh, we now have a Yeti USB mic. So, yay. Yeah. So, nothing is sponsored, but if air counts as, you know, support, <laughs> yeah, we're supported by air and nutrients. So, um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much where we're sitting at the moment with this. So, hello, everyone. How's everything cracking? What's everyone been up to? Not much. Not much at all. What have you been up to? Um, lots and lots of writing. So yeah. I've had lots and lots of writing to do. Um, lots of reading. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of reading. So it's more just a case of how much I can actually do in a short amount of time. And then pretty much get back to Sorry, I'm just gonna having fun games. I mean, I did have a crack at playing some Call of Duty. And I remember why... Well, first you couldn't even sign in. Yeah, completely <laughs> so unable to... Like... to restart the xbox but the what the version where it remembers all your games and apps and stuff yeah that was pretty shit and then i get in there and i'm like okay yeah i'm i'm not going sniper class no way it's not going to be good enough because obviously not playing for a while it's the, the old hand eye you know coordination, coordination and what she used to be so you know i just went af and um pretty much yeah nothing so I quit. We're talking about quitting. Um, this is actually the second time we're recording. Yeah. This podcast because we literally had five minutes left last week when we were recording this. Yeah. And then I went to pretty much check like I normally do, and I check what every five, ten minutes. Yeah. I'd say that it was recording, and that was the big push to kind of get this set up today, and it completely dropped. It stopped. I think after eighteen minutes. So we had been recording for two hours. We were heartbroken. I almost cried um, and couldn't bring ourselves to record it till today. So. And it was a complete shutdown. And it was one of our favourite episodes too, at least on my end. And I think it actually, like that, that one really, really worked. And, you know, some of the stuff that was said that was rather funny. I was half asleep and, you know, it was just funny. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry if we don't seem like we're reading it for the first time I guess we didn't get through all the conspiracies so no, those reactions for you will be your first yeah so um, we're still figuring out background noise too so we turned off the fridge um, so if there's any other background noise it's more just because we're playing around with new parameters and settings yeah so um, apologies um, we will work out those kinks yeah 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 we will um, first things first do you want to cover the rave yeah, so uh, essentially what's happened is uh, some neighbours decided that the perfect time to be busting out Bob Marley was... No offence to Bob Marley, himself. but this was so loud it would have woken Bob Marley. Now, I don't know about you, but if people are having housewarming parties and, you know, you sort of wear... Parties. you can yeah. You can gauge it because it usually starts around, you know, early morning or early afternoon and just goes keeps going all the, the way till like 2 3 a.m yeah. and you, you you kind of can gauge it you can go elsewhere however what most people do not appreciate is when you, you get start. when you start at quarter to two in the morning 
when you're asleep and you've been asleep for approximately 45 minutes yeah 45 minutes to an hour while everyone else in the street is asleep too and you decide to bust out hardcore reggae in a tin shed full blast essentially to the point at which you know you have a you have a chat with your neighbors and then you realize that their windows are shaking and like across the they're on the other side of the road like two and a half houses down it's and like their house was shaking so i mean honestly and it was on the other side of like it was loud world. enough to really kind of give me a kick in the head yeah because all the like your bedroom's on one end of the house mine is on the other end of the house but they all face on that wall if that makes sense like yeah. our that's like the back of it, walls of our rooms face that side so and because we have like the alley between the two houses it just kind of channeled yeah so the it sound, was for lack of a better far term. out it, well, I'm, I'm not going to say sort of anything else because it got a little bit but also because i was in such a, a state i was just so white i didn't end up really doing anything about it because it took me you know all that time to figure out what was actually going on so what's transpired now is if it happens again i'm just calling the police it's yeah, that's the sure. that's the normal protocol now and it's yeah. happened multiple times yeah, it's been like the third time that they've done it normally they start i want to say at around 11 o'clock and they go till about 2 3 a.m so this one was really kind of off the normal protocol yeah this is random and yeah. Like, I was dead tired. You had just come home from work. Like, you hadn't completely gone into sleep yet. But I woke up thinking, like, you know when you don't know if it's a dream or if it's real? And then I just thought it was a dream until you woke up. Because it happened on, like, Friday night, Saturday. So, technically, like, 3 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then when you eventually woke up later on in the day, you said to me, oh, did that music next door wake you? And I've gone, oh, so that was an actual, like, real thing. It wasn't me dreaming. And they're so lucky that I was dead tired from being in the lab the whole week. Because if they had proper woken me up, I would have just switched off the mains at their house. Yeah. At the fuse box. That's probably what we should do next time. And um, I called, like I googled their address to find out who, because they're rentees. Um, so I googled their address to find who their real estate agency is. And I don't understand how, but apparently their property managers don't work on a saturday even though 75 percent of houses are sold on the weekend yeah. specifically saturday in melbourne mm -hmm. but you know what can you do so <laughs> the property manager wasn't in but you know who was in the site manager which doesn't make sense yeah so essentially it's the old oh they're not here yeah what do you want and I got the typical, oh, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Just call the council. And it was just to the point of we knew that nothing could be done. We just wanted them to let their landlords know. And then I thought, <laughs> no, I'm not having a bar of this. So I rang up and things got sorted. Yeah, so there's mail on the phone. Which is a little bit dodgy. And since then, there hasn't been a peep. It, you know, little Bo Peep has silenced her sheep pretty much. <laughs> Maybe where people lost her sheep yeah well no. i definitely lost my sheep and i'll tell you what oh dude i don't blame you but according to like the real estate agency when i was on the phone with her at least she was like yeah they're very like difficult tenants so and she's like but you know what can you do which i guess is fair enough but yeah you know drama free um any other news for you uh what else did i do um 
that's pretty much it. Like, I think the only game I did was settle back in uh, energy drinks. I had a crack at one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, and I've realised that my average caffeine intake is way higher than an average. It says the person who takes like two double shots a day, but let's not get started on that. Yeah. So essentially, the milligrams of coffee, I mean caffeine, in these energy drinks is anywhere between 150 to 250 milligrams. So essentially, I've probably exceeded that by a far, far yeah. amount. Just so, a tad. Yeah, just a tad. So I, I had an energy drink and it did bubkas. <laughs> you know, nothing. Nothing at all. I just kind of went... Well, was the point of that? Yeah, nah. So I'm going to back to just, you know, maybe going for a, a triple espresso. I'll just stick with oh, espressos. Stop. Yeah, all that caffeine. I had a good weekend. You did? I finished, at least I thought I did, my dra- like first draft for my lit reviews. It's due on Thursday. And then on Sunday, uh, before I finished, um, Lynette Noni, who's like one of the biggest Australian YA authors right now, she was doing a book signing near us, like, and so I went, and it was awesome. She seemed really, really nice. Um, I reckon there would have been about like 30 or 40 people there, and I got there about 12 minutes before the signing. She came about two or three minutes late, and then... I was in the line and there were people in front of me and we're technically like the highest membership level you can be yep. with QBD. So normally the idea is not to be like that person but at the same time you spend like a thousand bucks minimum per annum in this store. So you pay for that service you're supposed to be to the front of the line. But at that point I was like, oh, you know what? I don't even care as long as I eventually get it signed. And I didn't know the rules because I know with some book signings they either just do their signature or sometimes they say like like they write a quote down sometimes they personalize it to you and they sign your name and sometimes it like you have to buy a book that specific day so you can't yeah. pre-bring pre-bought books and sometimes you can only get one book signed so i didn't know what the rules were but apparently she was signing like any book whether it be purchased that day or previous and so i just went with the most recent one that had been put out on the shelf like three weeks ago by Daisia. Um, just wanted to get that signed partially because I couldn't be stuffed carting all six books yeah. on the bus in like 40, 35 degrees and walking in and out. So I figured, oh, I'll just put one. And then um, once they figured out, oh, wait, we actually have like gold and platinum because platinum's the highest and then it's gold and then it's silver and then I think it's bronze or something like that. Yeah. Um, because gold gets like the same level as platinum's. Um, but obviously platinum's a higher priority. So we got pulled out of the line after about 30 minutes and they were so nice and the, like the store manager was like, oh, why didn't you bring your other books? And I've gone, I just couldn't be bothered lugging them. I didn't know what the rules were. And then she gave me a free copy of book one, which she didn't need to do. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. And she's like, no, you're a platinum member. You spend money here all the time. Just take it. And then I've gone, oh my God, thank you so much. And then I got like shoved in after because there was one other person that was a platinum member and she was in the line before me so it obviously makes sense that, you know she gets in first and then I was directly behind her then I got my book signed and the store manager took a photo of me with her because everyone else was with someone 
and I wasn't. So they like took a photo for me and it got uploaded to the QBD Australia page. So, you know, I'm nice. like really happy about that. And um, yeah, she signed my book, well, both books, I guess you could say now. And I got some character cards and then I came home and then I finished my little review. At least I thought I did. I still have like a ton of revisions to do and it's due um, Thursday night. So, yeah, so that's it's essentially shitloads of writing. Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty much. But yeah, no gaming for me. Um, yeah, I've uh, been off the gaming gaming bandwagon too. I've I've more just been doing editing, but yeah. um, I have been told I need to get Anthem. So essentially, I'm going to look into that because essentially, uh, you know, it's like Destiny meets well, Warframe or something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, essentially. It was developed by Bioware, but it was destroyed by EA. So, um, did you hear that? Apparently, um, Fortnite sales were like fifty-five percent down in the month of February nice. because of Apex Legends. Well, that's what we want. But apparently, they're bringing out a new season. I think this mm. weekend of um, Fortnite. Well, see. I don't know, but I can't stand Fortnite. I just as a person who yeah. I... But it's like, okay, I understand this. There's the Battle Royale theme. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. Apparently in Apex Legends, if you die, you respawn, so it's more like TDM. Okay, cool. So I might, I mean, I might check it out. I, I might mean, check out Apex Legends after I've submitted this lit review, because yeah. apparently it's for free. It's got some great reviews, but so the thing is, I just don't like the fact that with Fortnite, as I've probably complained in previous ones as well, that the fact that you jump out of a bus and you get shot before you even hit the ground, like, I mean, that's kind of dumb. I mean, three games in a row, you yeah. can't really play the game if that's going to happen. So yeah. what's the point? I can't understand. I, I mean, I remember also playing CS when I was younger and it'd be a problem is you'd spawn, you'd die, you'd wait. Yeah, and you, and and you got to watch everyone else's cam. Yeah, and, and you just sit you there just and wait. Through. Those were the good old days of FPSs, though, to be honest. Not now. Now it's all just... DC, DLC, sorry. Yep, come and get the DLC. So, so do we supercharge ourselves into today's quiz? Yeah, let's do it. Let's I'm do it. Hoity-toity then. Now, I, I'm just going to put a disclaimer that um, as much as this pop culture quiz will reveal what we should order from Starbucks and what everyone else would possibly order. I don't think Starbucks can, all this quiz, can allow for just how much coffee I actually drink. So, as a disclaimer, this is nowhere near, <laughs> this is going to be nowhere near my benchmark. My oh, benchmark would make this, this quiz cry. Um, so Also, I decided to take this quiz because the week, the day... A couple of days after we uploaded the last episode, we went out to an all-you-can-eat buffet in Craigieburn, which is supposed to be, like, one of the best in the area. And I've been, like, it's technically not in our area. We went for, like, a 45-minute drive to get there, but that's besides the point. And I've been there previously, like, with family and stuff. So we all went to see, and on the way home, apparently there's a um, Starbucks drive through in Coolaroo, and you and your mum... Letting me down. Yeah. I just wanted to go in and get something. But small see, because I think the reason why I didn't decide to pull into the Starbucks. It was thrown up. It was more. Than, speaker. 
truth, but it was also <laughs> the fact that with the amount of police cars and the amount of cars that had been actually pulled over on the side of the road oh. and getting searched, it was a case of, no, nope, uh-uh. I no. just wanted to fulfil my white, you know, basic white girlness, but alas, here we go. Alright, question one. Who is your favourite actor at the moment? Timothy Cal- I apologise if I'm mispronouncing I think this. it's pronounced Timothy Chalamet. You got this, girlfriend. KJ Apple, Will Smith, or Chris Evans? Is Chris Evans the Star Trek Chris Evans? Yeah. Yep, yeah, thought so. Chris Evans it is. Star Trek Chris Evans and Will Smith. Yeah. Let's not talk about the blue movie then. No. He's trying, I haven't watched the trailer yet. I've seen parts of it that have been in memes, like Dollar, but I'm not. Yeah, no. yeah. No, ain't doing it. So I'm going to go for Will Smith. Um, and what about an actress? We have Meryl Sheep, Amanda Steinberg, Soiree Ronane, and Zoe Kravitz. Meryl Streep for the win. Meryl Streep, Meryl Sheep. Yep, okay, I'm going to go for Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep! Favourite Grammy-winning singer, Childish Gambino, Drake, Ariana Grande, or Cardi B? Well, seeing as I don't like cardio... Um, I'm not a fan of Cardi B. Let's see, I'm going to go for just Childish Gambini. Old school Drake, like when you first jumped on the scene for sure, but Ariana. Only because Childish Gambino is actually um, Danny Glover's son. Yeah, I did. And I was a big fan of Lethal Weapon. But I'm okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry, I can't I'm a terrible human being. Okay, so whose tweets do you enjoy the most? It doesn't have Big Bird here. Oh Shattered. my god. So uh, we have Chrissy <laughs> Tagan. Different kind of, um, what do they call it? Bi- not biosystem. E- e- ecosystem. Yes. Sorry. Um, Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, Ellen uh, DeGeneres. I uh, mean. Cole Sprouse on no Twitter for me. Yeah, um, Cole Sprouse. I'm going no Twitter. You actually don't have Twitter. I don't have Twitter. I'm going for the queen herself, Chrissy Teigen, because she is a boss. Um, and then is there's... Turn, where do you turn for pop culture news? BuzzFeed, Twitter, Vogue, I don't care. Um, tweet, tweet, mother chucker. Well, I just don't care because I go elsewhere. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't care. And then, which pop culture story is the most clickable? We have Black Panther Win has us ready for a sequel. Go vegan and you could win Beyonce tickets for life. I mean, meh. Oscars 2019 thing, who's nominated? And then you got Ariana Grande reveals gown. She planned day to wear Tay the Grammys. Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. So, drum roll, please. I got an iced caramel macchiato. I'm devastated because that's what I wanted. But read your bio. If you like coffee, but not a whole lot, <laughs> then this drink is worth a shot. It's made with mostly milk and a little bit of espresso, and it has a vanilla syrup shot and a caramel drizzle to complete this sweet treat. Yeah, no, no. Do you um, want to know what pathetic items I got? Go for it. Did you go for a skinny soy latte? Oh, you <laughs> I got an iced soy latte for the coffee lovers and the vegans. If you love the regular latte, then trying it with some soy milk can really add some unique flavour. No thanks. Alright everyone, let's jump into... Buckle down. 
story to oh sorry quick tv show recap um right now you and i are watching long mile i'm watching it and you're watching it whenever i have it on around you yeah i'm just jumping in now and then what do you reckon i like it it's like the sheriff of nottingham meets um texas meets walker texas ranger meets Battlestar Galactica, but not meets Lone Wolf meets End this sentence. End this sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um so we're really liking it. I think we're almost done with season three. Um also I watched Dirty John the weekend it came out. Eight out of ten. The soundtrack was absolutely fantastic. Um Connie um what's her face? She's the mum from uh, Nashville and also from uh, the first season of American Horror Story Connie Britton I think her name is I know it's Connie I can't remember her surname I know it starts with B so she's a middle aged woman she's already been married I think she said four times um, she's just jumping on the online dating systems um, she's got adult kids and she comes across this guy called John He's a lot more than he seems. It's essentially a very uh, good gender-bent gone girl. So I really liked it. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Nice. You saw the last 15 minutes after the morning after the rave. Yeah. <laughs> and like just a real funny rave point. Um, I just stumbled upon one of the world's strongest coffees. Oh. It's called, <laughs> wait for it, Death Wish Coffee. It's got 728 milligrams of caffeine per 12 ounce serving. Joy. Joy. I can feel Joy. some major capillary dilation going on oh, here. For sure. And yeah, for sure. That blood pressure go through the roof. Ooh. Donkey. Alright, we ready to jump into our news? Yeah, let's, uh, you know. Get a bit sad for a minute. Um, yeah. Because we're kind of going to talk about opportunity. Um, it was relevant when we when we first yeah. recorded this podcast, it's like... but it's here and we have some feels. Um, what was the quote you posted on Facebook with a picture of her? Um, do not go quietly into that good night. Yeet. Yeah. So Mars on... Mars rover. Bye bye. Opportunity. She discovered everything on Mars and was only supposed to last ninety days and, and ended she up. She kicked ass. Like yeah. good on her. And um, so now she's, you know, she's still going to be there with the 97 Pathfinder rover or mission, whatever the hell it was they launched. I'd like to see people actually go there and collect them and bring them back. No, they're going to be there forever. They're going to be landmarks. And then they're going to, I reckon that they'll put like, they'll be there forever. And in, you know, three, four hundred years when humans have migrated out and space travel's a thing. Yeah. It's going to be... It's huge. Like, could you imagine looking at that? Like, we'll never go. It won't be our generation. Yeah, yeah. But could you imagine just being like... See, here's what I don't understand. Like, plot twist for another future topic. But how is it they can get to Mars, which is, what is it, like, four times further away from us than what the moon is, but they won't send us to the moon because they don't have the technology to send us to the moon, but they have the technology to send us to a planet that's worse and less hospitable than the moon, but okay. Yeah, so... My other question is, why haven't they put a bar on Mars yet? Because then you'd have a Mars bar. (laughs) 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 Alright, next story. Um, 
another kind of more disappointing than it is sad. Apparently all the runoff from the floods that have been happening recently in northern Australia are flowing into the Great Barrier Reef because obviously that's how guttering and garbage works because, you know, you can't deal with it, chuck it out in the ocean. Yep. So it's starving the coral of light, therefore obviously impacting their photosynthesis and all that other I mean, stuff. It's and only been hit by coral bleaching like twice. Oh, yeah, it's fine. And, you know, uh, the crown of thorns starfish, they're going to... Um, increase in population size which is obviously going to, you know they're going to need to eat more coral to justify their growth in population yep, all that coral so what are you going to do and apparently obviously that's going to give um, algae blooms and stuff but what are you going to do there I mean the crown of thorn starfish does look you know it does look majestic but it's evil or as some people call it and Cathastoplancy, you know, but that's just for the sciencey peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, the ecologists among the yeah, but essentially these little buggers just like destroy all the coral. Mm. So um, they even... but see what I've noticed is there's not much predation going on with them. Well, they I mean, don't have natural predators, do they? Oh, they do. They got the parrotfish. Yeah, but can we talk about the parrotfish's numbers? Yeah, true. There's not much of them. Do you ever just shove your hands in a pocket and go, oh my god, tissues? Yeah. <laughs> Me? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've got some IG questions. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to ask us a question or give us a topic that you want us to cover, hit one of us up on IG. Um, our links are over in the description. Here's Full Model Chicken. Full Metal Chicken, you are? Yeah, I'm Full Metal Chicken. I'm Steph Afar. Our podcast has its own, so let us know. Question number one. What are your favourite conspiracy theories? Um, let's see. I always think... Hmm, JFK. Oh, for sure. Um, only because, you know... Uh, then you got time travel. Yep. The old... Um, what do they call them? Athletes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? People keep thinking, you know, we're in the Matrix. Ooh, deja vu. Was oh, you mean simulation theory? Yeah, not so much simulation theory, but I definitely think um, people love to have the whole UFO conspiracy. I saw UFO. I still have that album. Yeah. It's in the storage room. I could um, bust it out. What's the band called? Sneaky Sound System. Yeah. That's it. What happened to them? They got too sneaky. I prefer Tism. That was a band that I used to listen to. Still do occasionally. Hilarious. And for all of you who don't know who Tism is, it's a <laughs> band called This Is Serious Mum. So, uh, yeah. One of my favourites was good old still Greg The Stop Sign. Um, <laughs> Greg The Stop Sign. Greg The Stop Sign. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, which floof is your favourite? Oh, wait. Can I answer the first question? Sure. Sorry. Um, my favourite conspiracy theories, the one we're covering today, mm-hmm. I love the Ancient Wonders, and why I was like, can we make this our first series? Yep, yep. JFK is really cool. That one always slips my mind. So do the he's. I didn't mean it in that manner. Oh, that conspiracy. Bermuda Triangle, for sure. blowing Bermuda Triangle. But is it really a triangle? Just, can you let me list off? Okay, go for please? it. Please? Um... 
What else is there? There's so many, but I feel like a lot of my favourite ones are really popular ones. And oh, like Majestic 12, MK Ultra, but again, they're popular. I really like the whole Ouija. Ouija. Conspiracy. Ouija conspiracy. I thought that I'd never play with them because I am stupid. Scientology. <laughs> Those conspiracies. <laughs> and stuff like Harp. Harp. The Aurora Project or whatever on earth yeah. it's called. I don't believe it. No, I mean, then we've got Ouija. Space Lasers. Alrighty, question two, you said which floof is my favourite? Yeah. It's like a mother asking which child is her favourite. I like different floofs for different things. For example, Shirl, you're Shirl's person. Yeah, yeah. So when Shirl's comes up to you, it's, it comes up to me, it's a big deal. And he gives you like the most beautiful slow blinks and he coos and you just feel very loved. Yeah. When Shirl's wants to snuggle. Moz is like I'm her person yeah and I'm so so very proud of how far she has come um she's very much cuddles when I want them and only when I want them kind of girl yeah. Shell's likes flying <laughs> that's it like he loves flying he loves being chucked in the air don't say that no, you're no. gonna think you're serious and they're gonna call the RSPCA like on that. you no, like you just pick him up and like you just kind of plomp him like plomp. and when you say plomp we mean like five centimetres off the couch. Yeah, like pick him up and like just kind of drop him onto the couch. So it kind of bounces and runs around other again. And then he comes back and like climbs over the couch and thinks it's a slot. Yeah, but so it's yeah, a game. Mozzles for the floofs. Yeah. The, the feline floofs. Yep, yep. And... Oh, Artie? Yeah. Oh, Artie um, or Millie? Artie. Artie or Millie? Yep. I don't know. Artie. Definitely Artie. Okay. Favourite food. Favourite food. Mm. Pasta and burgies. Burgies. Uh, I'm going to go burgies. Hot chippies. Not so much hot chippies. I used to, but not now. Mm. <laughs> um, His tastes have evolved. I think cinnamon and donuts. Cinnamon. You call them... Um, Carnival wheels. wheels, and when we went to the show, you were absolutely—we were absolutely heartbroken because they were crap. They were like and they used to be like a whole massive bag for twelve dollars, and it was twelve dollars for four. <laughs> and like you could get huge, you know, huge cinnamon donuts. Yeah. And now they're just. Blech. I mean, don't get me wrong; they weren't bad. <laughs> they weren't good either. It was like, you know, my mind wanted more, more. but. The price wasn't right, yeah. you know. So what's on your to-be-watched plan? Um, to-be-watched. One, my weight. Uh, two, fuel prices. Um, is that water bowl empty? No. Okay, sorry. Um, so essentially, I think The Expanse, I've got to get back into that because I think season four is coming out shortly. I've got to finish Star Trek because... How this... far through The Expanse did you get? We've got season two, two. yeah. Um, but apparently it's just mental from there season 3 is just off the chain Mm -hmm. so uh, and there's more recurring characters in season 4 so Mm -hmm. something must go down I reckon Mm -hmm. and I've got to read the book series which will probably end up being a a listening thing Um, watch plan for me like we said we're almost halfway through Longmire and then after that I think I want to get Stan because then I just want to watch Justified Deadwood Rain is on there they also have Heart of Dixie. Then they've got Twin Peaks. 
a ton of other stuff, but I don't know because I don't have much time to watch, to be honest. Why is that? You know, because <laughs> <laughs> on lit review and today she was pretty much like oh I'm expecting you to come in on the weekends and it's like I would but I don't have access all that work um oh last question for the day um have you heard about the Utah UFO and what is your take on it um well of well anything to do with an unidentified flying object I mean is it officially UFP now yeah. Not to disrespect the person who pushed in the question, just ask. No, it's the UFP. Okay. It's a UFP. Um, so for anyone who hasn't heard, there was a UFO sighting in Beaver, Utah. Um, I think it was like, was it three years ago? Something like that. But the footage only got released, I think like a month and a half ago. Uh, some guys were getting B-roll footage and they went back to their hotel. They scrubbed through it all and they saw like what they thought was a UFO. And then they finally gave their footage to some other guy. I think his name's Brian Hanley. Hanley. Um, and he uploaded that footage with some commentary. And then other people did calculations and trajectories off that footage. And like he uploaded like four or five other videos trying to calculate the speed. So originally I thought it was something like a predator drone. Um, until I found out that the speed, the thing, according to their calculations, the speed at which it was flying was twice as fast as a print drone. So I was like, hmm, maybe they, like, they could be off. I don't know, I'm not a professional. But apparently there was a similar thing in Spain about a fortnight or two ago, um, a similar sighting and footage-wise as well, just captured off a drone at approximately the same speed, and they look almost identical in shape. So, who knows? Very, very spooky. Mm-hmm. All right, talking about spooky, let's head into today's topic. Dun, dun, dun. So, as always, good sir, what do you already know? Whether it be about the place, about the conspiracy or whatever, and are you a believer? Well, I know that it's in Denver. I know that it's an airport. I know that planes go there. And I know that it has buildings. Now, obviously, that means that people go where buildings and planes are. So the conspiracy is aliens. And by aliens, I mean dinosaurs. (laughs) And by dinosaurs, I mean fossil fuels. And by fossil fuels, I mean plastic. And by plastic, I mean fake dinosaurs. So plastic dinosaurs are really dinosaurs. So are you a believer? In dinosaurs, yes. No, in the conspiracy, based on what you know, are you a believer in the conspiracies surrounding? You mean airport the aliens? International airport. Airport conspiracies. Well, I figure because conspiracies start with C and C becomes before D, D for Denver, that means the conspiracy is coming before the airport. Okay. So, let's go for a yay. So, let's jump straight into the bio, shall we? Yay! The Denver International Airport. Where's Denver? In Colorado. Where's which Colorado? Is in the United States. Where's the United States? Which is located in the Northern Hemisphere. Where's the Northern Hemisphere? The other cap sitting on top of us. Where's that? On the world. Where's the world? Which is the Earth. The Earth. Which is uh, in the Milky Way galaxy. Milky Ways. I could eat a whole bag of Milky Ways. All right, Ways. but you're not gonna. Because Why? today we're going to be talking about the Denver International Airport. I could eat Also the referred airport. to as the DIA. The DIA. <laughs> <laughs> it's an international airport and primarily serves the metropolitan Denver, Colorado. And it's uh, also part of the Front Range Urban Corridor, which apparently is a really large flight plane in the U.S., 
So it's 33,531 acres or 13,570 hectares or 52.4 square miles, whichever uh, numbering system you prefer there. It's the largest airport in North America um, by total land area and the second largest airport in the world. Runway 16R34L has a length of 16,000 feet or 4,877 metres for us peoples. And it's the longest publicly used runway in North America, seven longest in the world. Apparently there are over 35,000 employees. It's the largest employer in the whole of the state of Colorado. It's got non-stop services to 205 destinations in North America, Latin America, Europe, and Asia. Um, and apparently it's the second largest domestic network of any airport in the US. Apparently 185 of them are domestic flights only out of the 205 um, destinations there. As of 2017, it was the 20th busiest airport in the world, 5th busiest in the United States in terms of tra uh, passenger traffic handling. Apparently in 2017, they saw 60, uh, 61,379,396 passengers. That's a lot of tacos. Right. And then the next year, they saw, so like last year, they saw almost an extra 3 million, 3.1 million more, roughly. Uh, 36, sorry, 34,494,613. So that's a lot of potatoes. That's a heap of potatoes. <laughs> so the airport is a major hub for Frontier Airlines, United Airlines, and it's the main operating base for Southwest. And combined, those three airlines make up about 85% of the total traffic at the airport as of December of 2018. So apparently on the 28th of February in 95, it officially opened its doors and runways to the general public. It fell very, very far behind schedule over a year and it spent back then $2 billion more than what it was originally budgeted for. Um, I also found some really interesting stats based on the airport itself and I like stats so I'm sorry. Apparently there are 603,403 uh, aircraft operations and in 2013 the economic impact of the airport was $26.3 billion. <laughs> so that's a lot of moolah. That is a lot of moolah. Um, and then I was like, oh, so uh, what are the top 10 destinations? Because we know the majority of the destinations are in U the US. So I was thinking to myself, oh my God, what are the top 10 destinations? Like the most common routes that the passengers take to get, you know, from that airport. So apparently it's LA, Phoenix uh, City Sky Harbor in Arizona, Chicago O'Hare in Illinois, Las Vegas in Nevada, San Fran in Cali, SeaTac uh, in Washington, Atlanta, Georgia, Minneapolis, St. Paul in Minnesota, Salt Lake City in Utah, and the Dales Fort Worth in Texas. So, yeah, um, kind of let's rewind a little bit um, and jump into a bit of a timeline, if you will. Any questions so far? No, 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 I'm on board. So, from 1980 to 83, the Denver Regional Council of Governments investigated six areas for a new metro area airport 
that they wanted to be north and east of Denver. Why didn't they just say northeast? Meaning no, not. Complex. Too complex. So in September of 89, under the leadership of the Denver Mayor, Federico Pina, uh, they pretty much authorised the outlay of the first 60 million. So back then in 89, it was 60 million. In today's inflation, that's $121 million for the construction of the airport. And then two years later, the uh, Mayor Webb, he inherited the project from Mayor Federico and they called it a mega project and they scheduled the open on the 29th of October in 93. So you're going to go from pretty much 89 to 93. That's a big chunk of time, right? So there were delays caused by poor planning. Apparently they had repeated design changes because um, United Airlines had like kept coming back with different plans they did wanted different outlays and different designs and layouts and so they made obviously the mayor have to keep pushing it back the opening day i should say so it went from december 93 to march of 94 and then in september of 93 apparently there was a millwright strike and a ton of other events pushed it back again to uh, 15th of may in 94 but then apparently in April '94, just a few weeks before the grand open, that the newly scheduled grand open, um, the city invited reporters because apparently they had this brand new automated. Ba- I shouldn't laugh because this is terrible. Automated baggage system, and apparently it was chaotic. Like it was busting open luggage. Like it was moving that fast. People's yeah. luggage was just flying out, um, and it was just flying off the belt. So they pretty much scrapped that system for maintenance. Um, and then, sorry, they, they took in the system for maintenance. Um, but then it was just so, like, they couldn't fix it. There was nothing that could be done. So they completely scrapped that system. And they, uh, they went with traditional baggage, hand baggage, baggage handlers. So that basically means, sorry, I shouldn't knock the table. My mistake. Um, person like mounts it on and then they wheel up and then they toss it as opposed to you don't exactly want the the baggages to go further than the actual plane no 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 no. you kind of don't want your passengers you know know, breakables getting destroyed to uh no offense because their bags are worth more than their ticket but what you know about it um not much (laughs) so apparently obviously that um pushed things back which is understandable and then the 25th of October, September sorry, of 94, the airport hosted a fly-in that drew several hundred aviation aircraft. So kind of like an air show, yeah. like the Avalon air show that we have now. And that just kind of like brought in some pilots and, you know, they were able to test the, like the new layout of the airport. They looked around the ground facilities. They checked out what was the replacement baggage system um, because at that point, like, they were testing a new one. Uh, they had air traffic controllers to test um, procedures, check for holes in radio coverage, as because apparently when planes taxi around um, behind buildings and whatnot, that can sometimes interrupt yep. the radio transmission signals. So they went and they tested all of that. So then finally, on the 28th of February in 1995, 16 months behind schedule, the Denver International Airport finally replaced the smaller Stapleton Airport at a cost of 4.8 billion US dollars. And keep in mind, American billion, one American, no, the equivalent of an American billion 
is a hundred Australian billion dollars. Yeah. So that's a big jump, right? So what was four point eight billion US in ninety um, five is equivalent to seven point nine billion US dollars today. And so that's insane. That's that, that's that's heaps of yeah. Pennies. So back then it was two billion over budget. Today it's three point three billion over budget. Do you know how many people around the world you could feed? Yeah, that, with that amount of money. That, that's a lot of toast. So apparently, construction employed eleven thousand workers, and the airline's flight, which I can't believe after all the hassles United Airlines provided, they let them be the first, you know, flight out of the airport. But apparently, it was United Airlines flight ten sixty two to Kansas City International Airport, um, and they yeah pretty much went off and blah 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 blah, and the first uh, flight to. Um, Arrive if that's the right word um, to the airport to drop off passengers was United Flight seventy sorry fourteen seventy four from Colorado Springs. So apparently the runways were completed before the airport itself was opened, and uh, Denver International Airport took over the codes from Stapleton being IATA, DVX, IACO, and KDVX. So apparently uh, because. Stapleton was decommissioned as soon as they opened yeah. um, Denver International Airport. So apparently, um, a couple of a few years after it opened, there was a massive blizzard between the 17th and 19th of March in 2003, and there was a ton of heavy snow, and it pretty much tore a hole in the terminals because it's a fabric roof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it looks the tent structures, and it tore a hole in the roof, and two feet of snow. Like closed down the airport. That's a lot of snow. Yeah, um, and so the airport's main road that you have to travel around to get there was closed for two days. So thousands of people were stranded at the airport for those days. Um, but apparently they turned it around because one year later they were ranked first in major airports for on-time arrivals. Ooh. So maybe they would have scored higher, but that event kind of like skewed the you know. Their averages. Yep. So who knows? So apparently there was another blizzard a couple of years later, um, 20th and the 21st of December in 2006. He dumped over 20 inches or 51 centimetres of snow in 24 hours. So the airport had to be closed for... Snow cones, anyone? Yeah, for pretty much two days. Again, just stranding thousands of people. Um, and from then, the airport decided, hey, maybe it's a good idea if we, you know... Get some uh, snow removal equipment, uh, which you'd think you live in the mountains and it snows in Denver, but hey, what do I know? So apparently uh, that decreased uh, wait times from 45 minutes to 15 minutes. So um, yeah, apparently there's, there's a, within the original design of the airport, they specified volume triggers that will lead to um, redevelopment of the master plan and therefore new construction um, to take place around the airport so that way they can meet Denver's needs, which like makes sense because we're talking about them getting like 64, you know, almost 60, 64.5 million passengers last year alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a lot of tacos. <laughs> that's a lot of people. So, um, 
Apparently, they're currently revising the master plan. Uh, They announced um, that they're going to design a new hotel, rail station, a couple of bridges. They're going to look at um, adding an extra six uh, runways, so that way they have 12 in total. And once it's fully built out, like, to capacity, apparently it's going to be able to handle uh, 110 million passengers per year. All the passengers, all the boarding passes... All the multi-paths. So pretty much almost double the, you know, the passengers it's handling now. So that's, you know, a lot of turkey. Very, very much turkey. So apparently it's 25 miles or 40 k's away from downtown Denver. And it's 19 miles or 31 k's further away um, than the Stapleton International Airport, which is the airport that replaced and it may get decommissioned. Yep. So it's... They chose it to be so far away because they didn't want the aircraft noise to affect uh, residential and developing areas, and also because you know they have so many flights that they wanted the larger runway layout, yep. so that way um, to account for like the blizzards, the weather, and also like we said before to have future expansions. So that way they have the room to grow should they need it. So apparently. Um, the land occupied by the airport is more than one and a half times that of Manhattan. So what if what would happen if Manhattan decided to fly to Denver Airport? I don't think that's how it works, but if teleportation becomes a thing, I guess we shall find out. Jeez, imagine that. Could you imagine? Manhattan for the wing. So apparently they have four solar photovoltaic arrays on airport property and a total capacity of 10 megawatts or 16 million kilowatt hours of solar electricity annually. Woo-wee! Yep. Um, just for completion, I also found a list of accidents and incidents. Some of these are really sad, so I'm really sorry, but I thought... I wasn't sure whether to include them or not, but they're kind of... A couple of them are kind of important for the conspiracies that yeah, come yeah. up later on. And there are a couple of sad ones, but I don't want to be disrespectful and act like it didn't happen. Yeah. If that makes sense. And... Like, it's really sad and it's really terrible and it plain just shouldn't have happened, some of these things. Um, so, on the 5th of September 2001, British Airways Boeing 777, it caught on fire while it was being refuelled at the gate. No one was injured, but the refueler service... It, well, none of the, like, passengers or crew members were injured, but the poor refueler, um, the refueling servicing agent, he died from his injuries, like, six days after the fire... And they found that the accident occurred because of a failure of the aircraft's refuelling ring when the hose was torn out at an improper angle. So, like, how is he to know? He can't, like, he's just there to refuel. And he has to, you know, they have to move as fast as they possibly can because they get told off, like, they're like the pit crew of NASCAR or, you know, Bathurst. Like, you know, that's that's not a nice way to go. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And that was, like, heartbreaking. Um, The 16th of February 2007... 14 aircraft suffered windshield failures within a three and a half hour period at the airport. So 26 windshields in total um, on all these, like, so there were 26 windshields, but all of those aircraft obviously had to be, you know, uh, checked in and uh, for servicing. And apparently there was a massive investigation and they determined that foreign object damage was the cause. Probably sharp sand used early that winter for traction combined with wind gusts of 48 miles per hour or 77 k's an hour so keep that in mind because that 
um, event is a little bit relevant later on. So on the 20th of December 2008, Continental Airlines Boeing 737, why is it always Boeing? I don't know. 500, and it was operating as flight 1404 from Houston uh, Intercontinental Airport in Houston, Texas. Beat off the left side of the runway 13R, and it caught fire during its takeoff at the airport. There was no snow or ice, but there were 31 knots, which is 36 miles, or 57k an hour crosswinds at the time of the accident. And um, the incident report that was published said that the probable cause was due to the captain's cessation of right rudder input, which was needed to maintain directional control of the airplane. So out of 115 people um, that were on board, both crew and passengers, 38 sustained injuries and two of them were um, injured critically. 3rd of April 2012, there was an express jet Embraer ERJ-145 and it was um, coming from Peoria, Illinois to Denver and it hit approach lights as, and stopped on the runway so smoke obviously develops inside the um, passengers and crew were evacuated to safety one passenger had to be taken to hospital because of the extent of his injuries and yep. the treatment and you can imagine like there could have been so much worse like if there's smoke to below inside the plane, like so many people could have gotten. Oh, yeah, smoke, smoke inhalation so yeah. fast. And, you know, if you're in a confined space and there's smoke, you're not going to be. Like, the, your breathing can. And imagine if it was vapors yeah. from the fuel tank or something. So yeah. it's a lot, you know. Um, so, more recently, 2nd of July 2017, one of the engines on Skywest Flight 58629, again, United Express brand name. Oh, sorry, like another United. Um, it caught fire after landing from Aspen. 59 passengers, four crew were all safely evacuated and no injuries reported, which shouldn't have happened at all, but no. I'm glad no one got injured. So in my, I don't want to call it research because we do proper research, but yeah. in our my research for this, there are six sub-conspiracies that all together make up the Denver International Airport conspiracy. Yeah. Does that make sense? All the Denverness. So, number one, uh, I'm going to start with the, th- the very oddly laid out runways. Yeah. So, it's titled the swastika theory. So, the general structure and layout of an airport, um, basically you have a central building complex and it's all surrounded by taxiways and those taxiways connect to the runways. And that allows planes to come in um, and like fly in and out efficiently without the flight plans overlapping and it gives enough room to account for bad weather and strong wind so yep, that yep. way you can have planes coming off at other directions and because they're so far away you don't have as much risk of them kind of exactly crashing if that's the word you use for airplanes smashing in together but okay touch wood um apparently denver is a very windy city and they have very unpredictable high winds and so that's why they left a lot of surrounding area for expansion. Um, and also it's there, like, currently because it's not built on in an emergency. So if something happens, you can just, you know, there's a ton of grassland. So there's a lot of room for you to run off and not get in the way of another plane, essentially. Yeah. But if you look at an aerial image of the airport, it's got a general kind of, like, pinwheel structure. Yeah. Does that make sense? You can like see why they've done it to get rid of the planes. Yeah, like, it makes sense. Um, in our show notes, I've got a picture here that's taken in 2002, just so that way Mike can get an illustration of it. 
Um, so each runway is like 90 degrees away from each other and each runway has like an extra arm so it's not regularly symmetrical in shape. But some people who look at this image and they don't think about like the physics and the environment and like the workflow of the airport, they think that um, it resembles a swastika. Look, I get in some ways you can say that. Um, but yeah, the pinwheel formation was added so that way runways can be used simultaneously in every weather condition and also to make sure that none of the road runways yeah. overlap. So I get to me it kind of looks more like a pinwheel because it does kind of look like you've got that extra arm. But I do understand what people are saying, like you know. It's, uh, yeah. But essentially, it's just the way it was built yeah. to make sure. You don't have aircraft smashing into other aircraft. Yeah, no offence to, you know. Um, conspiracy number two was why was Stapleton, which was the original Denver airport, replaced? Maybe it's still there. Um, it is... <laughs> On the ground. <laughs> well, apparently... Um, sorry, I'll get to it, but in, in 1929 to 1995, uh, Stapleton, like we said, was the primary airport in Denver. It was replaced in 95. When it was replaced, it was decommissioned and apparently no longer stands there. It's been redeveloped into retail and residential property. So, I don't know, like, maybe there are stuff still there, but who knows, to be honest. Um, apparently, a lot of people, and especially the residents in Denver, were saying that, because they're the taxpayers, so obviously taxpayers are going to say, you know, I don't want you spending my money like that, which yep. is fair enough. Like, I completely understand that. But... Um, Stapleton was a lot smaller. It doesn't didn't have the capacity, especially now, to deal with what they need now. Let alone what their prediction, you know, um, how they think. Oh, we're gonna have 110 million passengers flying every year. Yeah. In a couple of years at uh, Denver International Airport, you know, to be at Stapleton. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, they also had. So they repeatedly had expansions over 65 years. And they um, had a max of six runways in the configuration of two sets of three parallel runways, which you can make... Like, if you have a lot of high wind, that's a lot of... Yeah. You know, you can very easily just glide into another runway and affect another plane, so that does make sense. At least to me. Like, I don't know. I'm not really an engineer, but okay. Um, so this way, you know, uh, apparently there were only... Three of them that ran 10,000 feet, which is just long enough, you know, not even long enough really for jets to take off in the thin air, like the thin mountain air. Yeah. And a lot of the jets that come off production line now, they need uh, 12,000 to 16,000 feet, apparently, in those conditions. So not only would they have needed to um, spend money kind of uh, putting in brand new outlay of the airport they would have also had to extend yep. what they currently had, if that makes sense. Um, so it was already at capacity in terms of gate space, airline traffic, and they couldn't expand anymore because then they would have gone into the Rocky Mountain Arsenal, which I want to talk about in um, another yep, yep. thing in Bobby. So I'm going to highlight it now while I remember, which is a chemical <laughs> weapons manufacturing centre. Yeah, you don't want to which... be drilling into that. Um, apparently now it requires expensive decontamination so I don't think you know yeah. flying into that would be a good
good it's deal extending into that. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's pretty much all of there. So apparently there were, you know, that makes sense. There were a ton of delays at that airport. Yep. It was time for the city to get a new airport. Hence, um, it would have been easier to develop the DIA as opposed to redevelop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just knock it all down, start yeah. again. So, yeah. Okay, so conspiracy number three, and this is the shattered winds, uh, windshields incident that we are talking about earlier. Yep. And this all grabbed my curiosity because I have never heard of this. Sorry, that's our floof. Um, I shoot myself too. I've never heard of this conspiracy before doing research for this podcast. So apparently in 2000, this is what we were talking about, how like in 2007, um, the, the, I'm putting quotation marks for those of you at home, but uh, 14 commercial aircraft spontaneously had their windshields shattered and it was presumed a result of electromagnetic pulses or EMPs. Um, which obviously, theoretically, by definition, as far as I'm aware, I'm a biochemist, so I'm not a hundred percent. But correct me if I'm wrong. EMPs only affect electrical items. Yeah. So I don't know how that works. They can't damage glass or plastic, and I'm pretty sure it's Pyrex, mm-hmm. the majority of the complex that is the glass in yeah, airplanes. Like not going to be doing much. Um, so the only way that the glass shattering could be linked to an EMP is if the pulse was caused by a nuclear explosion, which could make sense. Nuclear explosion at the uh, Rocky Mountain Arsenal, but I feel like there would be a lot of fallout from that. Yeah, there would be. So that would have been detected, if that makes sense. And not only that, but um, you'd have like heat effects. There'd be a big blast, like you'd know if there was a nuclear explosion. Because the whole airport would turn into radioactive sludge. Yeah, everything would be much... It would be glass. <laughs> it would have just, like, a few windows. It would be, like, kabloom. Um, so, the re- investigation, like we said, um, it was high, strong winds that are unpredictable, and there was, like, sand and grit that were in... That was, like, on the runaway from the winter time because um, they were using that, and just the cold temperatures. So, nine of the 14 planes that were affected had just tried to take off or had just landed... One had taken off already, and imagine that, like, you're halfway up in the air, and then... Yeah, oh, like, who knows, who knows how far they, like, had to go to just be clear of it, do you know what I mean? Like, to get into the next yeah. air pressure system. Um, sorry, where was I? Uh, so, and four were at the gate. So you can very quickly, like, make sure your passengers are okay and just get them off. So, like we said, they've got very high winds, and because where they, put, like... Because it's part of closer to the Rocky Mountains, obviously there's going to be a lot of rocks that get picked up in those pressure systems and those weather systems. Yeah. Um, but apparently, I looked into other stuff and apparently cracked windshields in terms of cars, like that's common for the city as well. So they like really big in terms of underground car parks and all that kind of thing. Um, so I'm not sure how large a rock has to be to shatter a plain windshield. But they're definitely saying that they do have strong winds. And, like, of course, what we were talking about, like, was it 57 knots we were saying earlier? Yep. Um, oh, geez, sorry, let me cycle back. Oh, 48. No, sorry. Why am I so dumb? Uh, wind gusts of 48 miles per hour or 77 k's. So, like, I don't know if that's enough to kind of generate. Sorry, you can hear our flu throwing around, but, like, it adds to the ambience, right? Yep. 
Um, so yeah, which I'm sure is absolutely delightful to be like, oh yeah, oh, you know, I just had my car windshield replaced a couple of years ago, gotta All do smashed. it again. Yep, or I mean like similar to a sandblaster, you know, yeah. all gone. So, um, according to an article that was posted in the Denver Post, uh, printed on the 20th of February in 2007, uh, foreign object debris, or FOD, fractured 21 front and side windshields on 14 planes at the airport. Um, then they pretty much just covered like where the planes were at the time of the event, that it was a very bizarre incident. Um, they talked about how the winds were 48 k's an hour and the intensity of the winds and that's not really unusual. And now they're saying that they were just cracks. Not that they were shattered. Yeah, they are just cracks though. So I don't know if... Like I a crack is a crack, which true. to me makes more sense because like we're not talking about a bloody boulder. Like no. I know we're in Colorado, get it? Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not going to pick up a boulder, but that does make more sense because it's not going to, like, as strong as a wind is, it's not going to pick up something like the size of your head. No. No, it's not. I don't it's know. like you're flying through Tornado Valley. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, the cracking was on the outer layer of the three layers of the windshields. A microscopic analysis showed that fine particles caused pitting. Um, so, obviously, like, it's like when you take a chip of the car windshield for trucks. Yep. Um, taken off at you, so you get a hole like cracks through, like it makes like a like a comet hitting the Earth, um, but then repeated hits to it like fracture it even more, and then it lost its integrity. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, so. But I think like if you're flying at a certain speed, that any kind of um, small stone is going to cause damage. Oh yeah, for sure. In its finest. Yeah, of course. So, and, yeah. yeah. Especially, like, if it's in a wind seat, like, if it's a dust storm or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, conspiracy number four is your personal favourite, <laughs> the underground facilitars. Yeah, all the underground facilitars. Now, this one I'm actually, I'm going to say I'm a believer of because it makes a lot of sense and it's also a bloody smart idea. Not that they need me to approve <laughs> all this stuff, but let's get into it. Um, so one of the most prevalent conspiracy theories that everyone talks about about the airport is that it was built to conceal a massive top secret underground bunker or set of like a, a series of bunkers or tan of bunkers. Yep. Uh, there are tons of theories about out there as to why they would exist. Some people saying that they're home for aliens, that they're going to be used in federal emergency uh, management or agency or FEMA concentration camps in the future when the US government uh, ends up killing its own citizens and that the space is intended to be a fallout shelter for the wealthy and famous um, in if the earth ever faces an ap- apocalyptic disaster so there is like a massive amount of space below the airport approximately 470,000 square feet which is, I had to calculate this and it was so weird, so I apologise for this really wonky number, but 43,664.4 metres squared. And a lot of people support the FEMA conspiracy, like concentration camp conspiracy, because they say that this space has no practical purpose for the airport, so why would they build it there to begin with? Like, it doesn't make sense that they'd have that much space for an airport. And they also talk about the murals, which I guess we're going to talk about a little bit later on. 
um, because the murals say that there's going to be a massive genocide conducted by the New World Order. So they think, oh, they're hinting to us that, you know, something bad, they know something we don't know, so that's why they've made this underground bunker system. And then they think also that there are a different group of people that say that this place is where the genocide is going to occur, which it doesn't make sense. Like, you don't put random people underground, no. take up all that space, because it's not like you can just push the bodies out because whoever has to go out to deal with the bodies is going to get contaminated. So that doesn't make sense. But again, according to our friends at the Denver Post, it's the second time we've started them today, the space below the airport is a thriving workplace serving a very practical purpose um, in which more than 100, sorry, 1,000 employees work every day. There are two very large um, where was it on these tunnels that are 7,000 feet or 200... Uh, sorry, 2,133.6 metres and they're used to transport passengers luggage around the airport and the reporters were also given a, a tour of the facilities and the underground um, tunnel system if you will and they didn't say that you know anything nefarious there was happening they didn't point out anything naughty no nope. um, apparently in 2016 all this pressure made the airport um, decide to offer tours of the tunnels to the public yeah. to kind of prove, hey, we're um, actually not kind of preparing for a pending apocalypse. Like, it's actually just here for us to do our work. Yeah. Um, and then people also say that, to me, why would they... But then, again, like, you can also say, why wouldn't they offer tours? Like, they want us to think that nothing's happening, you know? They want us to think that everything is normal. Yeah, it, there's nothing going wrong. Yeah, it's all Northern. You know, nothing to see here. Just keep walking. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, apparently, <laughs> this guy, Jesse Ventura... <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> um... He was, like, the reason why this conspiracy, like, reached a large, large audience because he was the one who pretty much claimed that it's going to be... Uh, it was predicted by the Mayan calendar where the world was ending in 2012 that, you know, this is where the important people of the US were yeah. going to go when the world <laughs> inevitably ended with the end of the Mayan calendar. Where are she going to hide? <sighs> Jesse Ventura, like... Dude must have a lot of money. Yeah. But it's a side note. Um, okay, so conspiracy number five is the art itself. We've already spoken about how the airport's got a ton of... Sorry. No, no, that's all good. Um, murals and art. I, I did tell you this was going to be a long one. I'm so sorry. Um, some of which could be called, um, according to the article, Alien Languages. Uh, there's also portrayed like soldiers in gas masks, oppressing peasants, and Freemasons plaques. Yeah. And my personal favourite, there is also a 32 foot or 9.75 metre tall, uh, very anatomically correct, if I do say so myself, sculpture of the Blue Horse, whose official name is Blue Mustang. Um, Lucifer. But, yes, actually. The locals call him Lucifer. Kendall Ray calls him Blucifer, so I call him Blucifer. Yeah. Um, he's got sinister glowing red eyes, and he's, like, very veiny. Like, that dude lifts. Yeah, he can lift. Uh, and apparently, like, the eyes, like, when the sun hits them, 
when you drive in and out that road, the sun hits them at the perfect angle that makes them glow like devil red. Yeah. Like the way he's positioned. Uh, so he was like his cast fiberglass sculpture himself. He's coloured bright blue, but to me it looks like more navy. Um, and then he actually the sculpture killed its creator. Yeah. Because sorry, can I just have a sip of water? Yeah, its head so fell sorry. off, and um, from memory, pinched his nose. It, uh, it's uh, severed an artery in his leg, mm-hmm. and he died. Femi. Yeah, good old Femi. Femi, I'm sorry. Um, anatomy slang. Would that make? Oh, wait a minute. Okay, quick conspiracy. So yes. say for instance That's why we're here. the head fell off, severed his fem uh, you know, fem. <gasps> Shit And they're talking about Shut a, up a FEMA camp. Shut up. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. No. Yeah. Dude, you're a genius. Dude. Oh my god. Yep. Apparently, the dude weighs 9,000 pounds or 4,100 4, kilograms. <laughs> Me! Um, and he's got steel armature. Uh, he's located in the median, like the middle of the main boulevard. The guy died in 2006 at age 65, which is really, really sad. Um, his staff ended up finishing the painting, the, the sculpture, stuff, yeah. yeah, with his family and some of his like really close friends they sent it to california for it to be assembled where it was then shipped to denver and then it was un- it was unveiled on 11th of february 2008 people like equally love him and hate him um and apparently like some real estate developer whose name is rachel halton uh in 2009 she like launched a facebook page campaign to get rid of him but as far as I could see, he was still there. So what do you do? Hmm. Um, also lending to the art is the um, white fabric roof tenty things. Yep. Apparently it was designed to look like the snow-capped Rocky Mountains. Um, but locals refer to it as the circus tent. Apparently there are also gargoyles that sit in the luggage and baggage claims. Yeah. So I had not heard of that. Yeah, they're all freaky. Um, apparently the creepiest murals are the In Peace and Harmony with Nature and the Children of the World Dream of Peace by Leo Tenguma. The first one is just like soldiers and um, the murals were designed to depict man-made environmental destruction and genocide with humanity coming together to heal nature and live in peace. And I'm sorry, but that's not what you put in a place where a ton of kids, families, and human beings are going to go to either get on a ton of steel to fly in the air no. or still have to travel no, that's, home. that's not the stuff you want. That's, like, a little freaky. Very, very freaky. You know, it's, like, something out of a really, really bad anime. So this guy's saying that his paintings don't hide, you know, any conspiracy... Um, that there's nothing, you know, it's not like they're not, there's no underlying meaning to it. Uh, Ventura said that apparently, in his interpretation, there's a kid holding a mind stone tablet. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Me? No, no. No, no. 
Minor no este. But it's still pretty damn dark. Oh yeah, for sure. And this one, like, please explain this one to me. Apparently there are a ton of <coughs> strange markings on the floors that are believed to symbolise a new strain of hepatitis that someone will use in biological warfare. Uh, apparently in, like, real life, they were designed to... Um, they were taken from the Navajo language because that's where... The, like that was the yeah. um, bland there belonging to Navajo um, and they're pulled from the periodic table of elements so there's AU and AG in what looked like a mining cart to be honest <laughs> um, but the, it's in the floor inlay located at the atrium of the airport and the theory goes that the symbols are referring to the deadly strain of the hepatitis Australia antigen Discovered by a barrage Samuel Blumberg, mm. who was rumored to have been one of the financial backers of the airport. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, but again, rumor. We don't know. Uh, so apparently, where the floor inlay is positioned, it's right in front of the Doomsday mural, yeah. uh, which depicts, like we said, the mass genocide, chemical warfare, and all around bad times at the El Royale. <laughs> very, very bad times at the El Royale. So, this connection between this guy, Samuel Blumberg, being like a secret financier of the airport, that's never been confirmed. But people think that um, the AUAG obviously would refer to gold and silver, aka, you know, symbols, symbols, elements on the periodic table. I'm so sorry. Um, and they're in a mining cart, which makes sense because I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure Colorado was built on the back of mining. The Rockies? Mm-hmm. All that mine. But I don't know. Someone please correct me. But apparently, um, that strain of hepatitis yeah. is shortened to HBSAG. Uh, uh, but obviously there's a vaccine yeah. for that. So we ain't going to worry about that. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the last one. Um, sorry, I, I hate to be talky-talky, but... Like, I'm sorry, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. <laughs> this one is my personal favourite, and this is the dedication stone. I put a picture here in our notes. Literally, just Google it. It feels terrible just saying that. But uh, everyone always talks about a dedication stone, and that is always, like, a key cornerstone part in all the conspiracies that people talk about and, yeah. you know, the true evil that the DIA represents. So, <laughs> people say that the whole like of Colorado now because of this dumb airport their words not mine is under the control of the Freemasons who are going to be the new world order once they take over um, and inhabit the underground tunnels that we already know are there for work but okay um, so apparently the words new world airport commission are carved into the stone but reality the commission is on the stone because it's integral to the building and the funding at the airport. Um, apparently, that the... Where was I going with this? I'm sorry. They termed that because it was as tribute to the Antonin Dovrak's music piece, New World Symphony. Sym Symphony. Yeah. So that's where they took the inspiration for that name. Apparently, the New World Airport Commission are the group of local politicians and businessmen who helped fund the airport. So essentially, they just... Banded together. Yeah created the New World Airport Commission um, and pretty much put that there. You're going to ask me why is the Masonic symbol there? 
Um, apparently, like, there are a lot of Masonic, like, what do you say? Believers? Um, I don't want to say, like, their religion. I'm trying to be as respectful as yeah, possible. Yeah. Um, Masonic Masons, members? Ma- Masons. There, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of Masons. Yeah. Like, there's apparently, like, a, a few of those people are, like, there's a lot of Freemasons in that city. I'm so sorry. Yes. I don't know why I'm so literate and I can't English. Um, and then, apparently, uh, also, great significance, the day of the Stern's dedication, it was dedicated on the 19th of March, 1994, but if you do it the US way, uh, and you add all the individual numbers, 1 plus 9 plus 1 plus 9 plus 9 plus 4 equals 33, which represents, this isn't my quote, but perfection and the highest degree in masonry you can hold. So apparently that can also just be coincidence, because there's a myriad of ways that you can add these numbers up, so you can have 19, 19, and 94 without the answer being 33. So it, I, I don't know. Um, but the marker does contain the Freemason's crest, and like I said, um, there's a heavy Freemason um, presence yeah. in Colorado. They've got apparently two grand lodges there, and they mounted a time capsule over the airport. Um, so, you know, they the Freemasons are the ones that organised to have it filled. So um, they're apparently a very big social um, charity organisation locally. <sighs> um, but apparently... And see, the other thing too... With Freemasons, you know, they were primarily just stonemasons. So they were engineers. They were, you know, yeah, craftsmen. So who knows what was built? Honestly, I don't know. Um, apparently, two companies that are part... Sorry, three organisations that are listed as members of the commission... I couldn't find who the original companies were, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of them were anonymous donors. But three of the organisations, they say, out of the commission members, apparently three of those companies still exist. And one of them is an architecture firm, and one of them is a metal company. Hmm. So that's kind of where the AG, AU, would also come in. Yeah. But I don't know. Apparently, there's a time capsule, like we said, beneath the capstone of the airport. It's set to be opened in 2094, so I hope to live long enough to see what comes up. There you go. And that's where I'll leave you for today. Very cool. So, what do you think? We have to go to Denver and actually check it out and see what's going on. Yeah, for sure. See what's there. Faux show. Faux show. Moving to the mountains. Yeah, but you look at Denver Airport and it's... Schliff's pack a bag. We're going. No. Pack your stuff. But you think about it, where it's located, if you're going to be susceptible to dust storms, similar to living by the ocean, you've got salt breeze that will erode the infrastructure. So essentially, the way people have looked at it, most of the infrastructure is underground, so it's going to have less chance of being eroded by sand. Yep. Yeah. And... Is it windier at a mountain, or would the mountain break some of that wind? The, the wind would be broken by a mountain. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. So, all in all, um, I found it really interesting. It's one of my favourite, like I said, conspiracy theories. Um, but still, it. those those photos are just freakish. Like was someone taken something while painting them because 
they never should have been approved. They look Regardless like someone's of what they represent, that's not the kind of stuff. Bad acid trip. Yeah, like there's bad acid trips and then there's whatever acid trip that guy was on. Yeah, like a really bad acid trip. So That's all I have for you today. Oh. Pretty um, cool. Next week, do you want me to keep it a surprise? Keep it a surprise. Okie dokie, artichoke. All a surprise. I'm sorry it took so long. No, that was a cool I one. I kind of like thought I'd just... It's a little bit longer, but it's medium length compared to some of the other things I've planned. So I thought I would just mash it all out at once. Yeah, um, no, that was And awesome. I tried to deliver some new things that I hadn't heard of before. No, that was really cool. Does that cool. make sense? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, it was sorry a pleasure. I just skipped another week, but I hope it was worth it for you guys. And I hope... Um, you all enjoy the increase in quality. Yeah. We're really, really excited. Let us know any feedback of uh, what you think. Yep, thank you so much. Um, you know where to find us. All our yep. links are in the description. All the beans. Um, if you have any questions or topics you would like us, or conspiracies, whatever they be, for us to cover, any tips, tricks, um, things you want us to improve, be sure to let us know. Have a lovely um, week yep, yep. or end of your weekend when this goes up on Sunday and we will talk to you next time yes ta-ta for now ta-ta and uh yes don't forget the butter and uh, do not go gently to that good night yes bye-bye curiosity bye-bye yes awkward silence and now we have something <laughs> yes okay see you next week everyone Bye-bye. I'm just staring at you like did you press pause no I didn't press pause I'm so used to being the person that ends it now I'm ending it so yes we'll, we, will, we will hear you all next week okay au revoir signing off full middle chicken oh stop it okay now I'm stopping <laughs>